G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. And good evening, everybody. Good evening, Mark. Hey, Mark. There you go. And uh, yeah. for those listening, um, we have with us tonight Haroon and Ali, uh, special guests that we're going to – g'day, guys. And we're going to um, ask them a few questions about different things over the evening, but they've joined us long to talk about their hunting and, and all sorts of other experiences. So I'm actually going to kick off by talking about my wall which is kind of, you know, me taking over, but that's okay. If that's all right with you guys. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So if you, uh, our latest our latest podcast with um, uh, Robert Borzak, if you listen to it on the podcast, that's great. But if you can, have a look at it on YouTube as well because he gives us a sweep of his trophy room and it's, it's pretty it's impressive. Ridic- it's ridiculous, okay? It's ridiculous. It's like there's trophies sitting on top of trophies sitting on top of trophies, <laughs> and there's stuff from all over the world. So I decided I felt a bit, you know, I had trophy room envy after that. So I decided you should, to, you should to grab some of mine. So I'm going to move my screen up. Yeah. Yeah, I do, <laughs> but give me a chance. Give me a chance, bro. So I'm going to swing it around like that. And so there's my trophy wall. It's not a trophy room. It's my trophy wall. Now, um, I've already got some feedback on that. And one of the bits of feedback was where do they come from? And everything on that wall except for that red there is public land. Okay. So they're all public land trophies. Now, I'm going to tilt it again. See that billy up there? That's a public land 36-inch billy. So there's a trophy billy from public land. Um, the pigs are so I got I got from different places. Um, and the two fallow are uh, well, hanging rock and nundle, technically. And the other billy, the small billy, is a severn billy um, that I got with my boy. And the red is a Brisbane Valley red because. I haven't yet to find red on public land, but something we're word for. And um that the of the uh the fallow that's just a skull cap, that's the one where I've posted photos about hunting on the cheap. <laughs> that's that <laughs> fellow there. So that's me showing off. Okay, guys. I was going to say your news? wall was looking fuller and fuller. Uh, probably compared to your older fork, uh, your older uh, podcasts, um, it's looking different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, all that stuff is now on that wall. There. <laughs> so basically, all I did was right. kind of move stuff around. So most of that that was on that wall is now in front of me. There is actually a. Uh, I haven't been able to get it up there. I've got a uh, four foot long. Um, carpenter shark, you know, the rostrum with all the teeth on it. Mm-hmm. Got one of them. It's on the wall there. Um, and it's got that some years ago, but 
couldn't figure out a space for that. That's a that's uh, I'm pretty happy with that one because I'll ultimately those things will probably become extinct and that's basically you know living dinosaurs so, interesting so that's you, uh, my trophy wall interesting that you said um, you haven't taken any red deer on public land you have been going to hanging rods mm. for quite a bit right and uh, and ian uh, got me in touch with a guy that i went hunting with and he took a red deer there and i did bump into a couple of red deer in the past uh, but not a just a hind, but there are red deer uh, at Hanging Rocks, definitely. Mm -hmm. Not many oh, yeah. of them, not many, but there are there. Uh, for a number of years, the ADA used to use a photo of Adrian officially with uh, a, a very nice red that was a Nundal mm -hmm. red. Uh, mm -hmm. He got that right up the northern end of Nundal. And uh, when I was down there, well, when, when, we, when we were down there together, um, I found red tracks. Big red tracks. So, yeah, they're there. I just haven't been able to lay eyes on one as yet. Well, there was rumours of um, Wapiti Cross Reds, wasn't there? Yes, yep. there is. That was Those run rumours were around Hanging Rock. I'm not sure how 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 real those rumours were. Um, and I don't know if there's a rumour or not. That, that's... Those rumours were out of uh, the deep dark. Seen Gullies of Tuggalo, Mark. No, well, I actually heard them. Uh, well, I've heard different rumours that they were in uh, Hanging Rock. Um, yeah, about um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, probably three, three or four years ago, uh, there was a photo socialised of one that got taken out of uh, Tuggalo, off uh, close mm. to one of the farms over the back of that. And I think it was Adrian that was talking to us at the time was saying he's fairly sure he was chasing that exact animal for a number of years. Um, so they came off a farm mm. over the back of there is, is what we understand and whether the, the, the blood's thinned out with the reds that are there or not. But every now and then there's a throwback and something that people like to get excited about. But uh, nice to think that they're there. Yeah. If you want to go and explore the deep, dark, gnarly places of Togolo and they can get pretty buddy terrible down there so yep, it's mm. worth a look gets the blood sure. going yeah so what property is it elk is it deer yeah. or is it hybrid what is it uh it's elk elk, elk. yeah property is i from my understanding I'm, I'm happy to be corrected otherwise wapiti is a native as in a native american name for elk yeah that's why they call them wapiti it's just, it's just, a, it's different name for the same animal. Oh, I didn't know that we have elk in Australia. I knew they were in New Zealand. Well, they mm -hmm. said there's been lots of, there's lots of always been lots of talk about the, the here. Lots um, of rumours, yeah. Lots of rumours. So I was the rumour that I, well, the the talk that I had for a number of years it was there was a couple running up around in um, Hanging Rock. So there's, you know, and um, and there's also been talk that there's a, a herd of them in um, one of the snowy national forests mm. national parks up that way but mm. again snowy mountain elk there's all sorts of I mean and look there's there, there, it's not completely unrealistic you know there's all sorts of weird animals in this country but question you know? I mean interestingly that, can my you, can last project that? was with uh... say again guys go her on go ahead Ali. I, I, I was just saying my last project was with uh, 
Department of Forestry, Agriculture, and Fishery. Mm-hmm. And I was a part of biosecurity unit, so I had a lot of reading when I was with them. I did read about Vapati reports, but I never came across anything which says that there was been effort to breed Vapati in Australia and or, or any private property breeding them and farming them, which might have got into a state forest. I mm-hmm. read about Samba, Fallow, and other deer species, including Blackbird, but I never heard about an official report of they're getting farmed or breed here. Mm. Mm. Well, I know where there's black butt. Mm. I can, I can, yeah. I've got photos of them. Just, yeah. And that's a weird thing. You come around the corner in the in the morning and you say, hey, what's that in there? Well, hang on. What's that spiral antler thing? Sure enough, there is a spiral horn thing. So, yeah. So, And, I again, I, I don't know a great deal of it, but I believe that they introduced them to better because um, the potential for hybridization with reds. So it was a way of making reds bigger from a farming point of view rather than breed them as an individual breed themselves. I, that's what I heard anyway. That, so, so they would introduce them because of the potential of um, crossover, hybridization, so you could make a, a bigger red from a farming point of view. So the um, deer, Indu- yeah. deer Industry Association of Australia lists uh, the major species of deer farmed commercially in Australia being red deer, fallow deer, wapiti or elk, and rusa. So it's listed as something that has commercial has been commercially farmed. Um, Chittle and samba are also farmed, go. but only in small numbers. So there you go. Mm. Yeah. Assume they, that they don't come under as uh, feral, right? You can't shoot them if you see them. I'm assuming. Yeah, you can absolutely. Well, that'd be Wapiti. interesting. Yeah. Or it okay. says on your permit, it says all deer species. Yeah, yeah, I do so, see that on the permit. It, says yeah, all... it is there on the harvest report. You do get an option. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If you see a wapiti in a state forest, you can shoot it. Yep. Yeah. Good to know. There we go. I'll let you guys know when I'm there in Tagalog next time. Ian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're going to be a, the photo of Haroon with a big wapiti. I'll tell you something. If I'm there, Haroon, and I you, and you lining up on a wapiti, I'm going to drive past tooting the horn when that's happening. And I'm not going to tell you how far it is. For a couple of... For a couple of... That story will have to come out tonight, that's for sure. Right, Okay. Uh, so we probably should in, uh, introduce our guests. We've got uh, Ali with us tonight and Haroon, as we said. Haroon's from uh, – we've been talking with Haroon on a number of occasions. In fact, one of our most popular podcasts, which is about how to hunt um, the Nundal system. You were the star of it. And uh, you took that learning and went away and, and, and were successful. And so the reason why we've asked the guys on tonight is really to, to discuss a few different things. We've had, as a as a, a group, I suppose, Jono, Ian and I, had questions over things like, you know, how to make camp more inclusive of all hunters and especially with the um, getting a better understanding of halal and hunting because, you know, we can... Uh, I suppose for all for most of us, halal is something where we think about from a 
you know, a supermarket, livestock, domestic approach. But how does that, yeah, well, one, does it exist in a hunting sense? And if it does, how does that play out? Um, what do you reckon, guys? Should we move into that or we want to talk about a few things first? No, I, I think it's... And John, it's a, come on. It's a great think... conversation to start. Sure. Mm. Okay. So should I reframe that question? No, good. I'll look. I'll, I'll okay, give go for it, buddy. Brief introduction. So me and Harun, we grew up together. We are cousins. Um, I'm a uh, IT architect by profession um, and um, hunting is my hobby. And by the way, uh, the first podcast Harun did with yourself, like uh, around the Nundal system, I was with him. And so we both got the first year in Australia together. Um, so hunting is a passion and a hobby. Um, so I, I did got to your point about understanding the diverse cultures and background um, and be inclusive so that you can accommodate, accommodate diverse cultures and, you know, and have that understanding of uh, the culture and the sensitivity um, from an Islamic perspective Islam or the religion Islam is a way of life it's a very comprehensive religion talks about every minor details about how you lead your life even they are it has prescribed the way you go and relieve yourself in a toilet and how you clean yourself after that to that detail it has address the political affairs, the international affairs, how you run a state. So it's got a, it's kind of like address every single element of politics or personal life, how to raise a family, even hunting. So the Prophet Muhammad and his companions, peace be upon him, were very passionate about the hunting and hunting was one of the source of acquiring uh, the sustenance, right? And hunting is one of the most Halal, when I say halal, it is permissible. And the opposite of halal is haram. So hunting is one of the most purest form of meat or most purest form of sustenance you can acquire. So when I say Islam is a holistic religion, if I am earning my sustenance, if I'm making money, I need to be uh, honest. I need to uphold the highest moral character. I, I should not be cheating. But the way we do our job, there's an element of, you know, cheating and lying and the money you earn from it could be somewhat between halal and haram because you were not very pure or you were not very, you know, faithful to, to your job or things like of that nature. So, so halal is not just about, you know, how you just you know slaughter the animal it's also about how you earn it so hunting is one of the ways you're you're relying completely on your skills and you're relying on god uh to get the animal so hunting is one of the most uh purest form of halal compared to me earning money which has an element of dishonesty or betrayal or etc etc and then buying so hunting was one of the most preferred or it was you know, very much practiced by the early generation of Muslims uh, because it's coming directly from the, the the free animal and there's no element of haram in it as far as you do by following the procedure. So there has been a comprehensive procedure has been defined in, um, in Islamic uh, jurisprudence. 
there's a lot of misconception as well in the community around hunting. So uh, one way of acquiring the meat is that you raise your own cattle, right? And if you're raising your own cattle, there's a process of how you slaughter the cattle, right? So you need to make sure, you know, the cattle is healthy and uh, you're not slaughtering in front of other animals because it could be distressful to the other animals. Uh, you take it in an isolation position, you follow the ritual, make sure it's facing facing the Mecca, uh, which is the the central direction of Muslim where they face and pray. And I can talk more about it if you guys are interested. Um, and uh, you say the name of God, say Bismillah, which is literally translated into in the name of Allah. And and you slit the throat. Um, so what that happened, it causes the blood to release and the, the pressure from the brain, the blood pressure from the brain releases. And we believe that's one of the most human way and most uh, least painful way or less painful way of, of uh, slaughtering the animal. And so the blood drains off, even though it might feel as if anim animal is in agony, which all it's trying to do, the muscles are contracting and it is trying to throw out the blood and uh, and you take the meat. But in case of, so that's how if you if you want to acquire the meat from a farm raised animal. But in the case of hunting, um, you know, hunting could be very spontaneous. It could be just a reaction, right? So uh, back in those days, people used to hunt with a bow and arrow, right? So mm. the procedure is you just say Bismillah before you re release your arrow. Obviously, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, it's a lethal shot. It's not harming the animal. There's been procedure. You can't take a stone and hit the animal. That's not allowed. You need to make sure your arrow is sharp enough and you're taking the most perfect kill shot and try to take the animal ethically and manage the distance and be cautious that, you know, it's at least uh, painful or less, um, you know, painful to the animal and, and say Bismillah and release the arrow. And obviously the animal's going to run. Um, you're allowed to chase it. And uh, once you reach the animal, if you find it's still alive, yes, you can slaughter it by saying Bismillah. But if the animal is dead, you can still have it. And that's something many Muslims as well doesn't know because of lack of knowledge. So it is enough for you to say Bismillah. And uh, even if the animal has been dead before you acquire it, it is still halal to consume. It's not necessarily that it has to be Muslim. The, uh, the, the Quran refers uh, the meat from the people of the book, which is referring to the Jews and Christians. Because what we believe, the Islamic, Islam is a continuation to an Abrahamic faith, which all the Christians and the Jews believe in. And, and if you look at the procedure, if I go back to the Zabiha, the process of slaughtering, is very much similar to crochet process with Jews practice. So it's similar, yep, okay. yeah, very, very much mm -hmm. similar. And they also say the name of the God and they uh, slaughter and they make sure that the knife is sharp. So does, so we, so we does as well. So that's the procedure. So before you release your arrow, you need to say Bismillah. That's one of the condition. And even if a Jew or a Christian shorts the animal, but the condition is say Bismillah or, or say in the name of the God and, and take the animal, then that animal is allowed to be consumed. But if you reach the animal and you find it still alive, then you try to slit the throat so that it can be, you know, not finding the reasoning, but the procedure is to be on the safe side and make it legal for you to have the consumption. There are justification where other Muslim scholars say that 
well, if you find the animal, just slit the throat because it will release the blood pressure from the brain and it will lose the sensitivity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also kind of like, you know, you're in making your double, you're making sure that it is allowed. You're just making sure, okay, you found it alive and you're, you know, following that Zapier process or sl slitting the throat uh, so that it is, it is halal, but it's not mandatory. As far as you pull the trigger or release the arrow by saying Bismillah, it's more than enough uh, to make it permissible to be eaten. Obviously, not all the animals are allowed. There are certain animals, for example, mm. uh, you can't hunt a snake because they got fangs, right? Huh. Any animal with fangs are not allowed to be consumed. Uh, pork, Ooh. pig is not allowed, again, for fangs. consumption. There's no halal process to it. And yeah, fangs. that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> fangs. Because, like, muntjac and Chinese water deer have yeah. fangs. Mm. They're deer that have fangs. Are they oh, fangs yeah. or are they teeth? <laughs> are, they, are those fangs or are they teeth? Well, I mean, what are, what's, <laughs> they a, what's, look the, like what's, what's the difference? <laughs> okay, what's the difference? One has fangs. No, not necessarily. So, yeah, I mean... I think the general interpretation okay. of fangs See, that's, a Chinese, is... that's a Chinese water deer. Yeah. They have, they have, and they're, they're uh, universally regarded as fangs. Mm -hmm. So then I think there are... <laughs> and I've got a muntjac skull, which is that, but muntjac are, have, also have antlers, so they're even weirder. Also, they're a deer that have antler and fangs. <laughs> yeah. Not the... the... The what it means by fangs, and I have to reconfirm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It is the interpretation, not just the interpretation. I think it's a God, Allah knows the best. The it's referring to reptiles. Um, yeah. Any generally any carnivorous, oh, sorry, herbivorous animal is allowed for consumption, right? So Chinese red deer falls into into that category. Mm. But animals with canine, for example, who are carnivorous are not allowed. Tigers, oh, lions, okay. or hyenas, wild dogs, dogs are not allowed for consumption. Mm. Even in birds, the word birds with talent or, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm birds pronouncing Birds of prey type thing. Birds of yeah, prey type thing. Yeah, yeah. thing. Like eagles and vultures. Yeah, bird of prey, yeah. Yeah, they're not allowed for consumption. Mm. Uh, any seafood is allowed and there's no procedure. Okay. Oh, okay. So I, so yeah, I can just grab a fish, hit it, eat it. Fish is a fish. Fish is a fish. That's a, a fish. That's a, that's a, that's a, you, you don't want to be a fish. No, no, <laughs> fish is, no, matter, no matter where you are in the world, a fish is a fish. That's it. That's it. But there are certain school of thoughts which uh, uh, does not allow uh, prawns mm -hmm. or basically the animals which are bedded uh, on the better on the floor um but majority of the scholars yeah some some of the school of thoughts doesn't allow crowns for example but majority of the scholars i'm not talking about lay people i'm talking about the scholars yeah um one of the great scholar imam shafi uh classical scholar who was in the early generation he said any seafood is allowed mm. as far as it's not rotten even if you find a fish lying as far as not rotten and you feel uh, with your assessment that it, it's not you know uh, poisonous or you know then then it's allowed but again 
if you know uh, a fish is poisonous or uh, a mushroom which could be poisonous or anything any consumption which could be detrimental to your health that's not allowed so that's a in sensible a nutshell, so, uh, that's really that, that 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 that's it it's the the the, the uh, i suppose the historic sensibility of it is is very clear isn't it you know if you're going to hunt an animal and you're hunting it with a you know with a tool that probably won't cause instantaneous death i.e. you know anything from about you know the turn of the last century before you know we're not talking about 90 pound you know compound bows that you know with broadheads we're talking about you know uh, basically a, a classical bow or a spear the very chance is the animal's not going to die straight away anyway so it's wholly reasonable to that you needed to be able to dispatch it it's quite interesting but like what Ali just you know, mentioned, like the the whole thing that he explained, if you think about it, you know, the hunting, um, the ethical hunting, the aspects of ethical hunting, he's just he's just spoken about that, but in the light of Islam, that's it. The only thing different uh, is that we, we we have to say Bismillah, which literally translates into in the name of Allah or God. Uh, that's the that's the most important part part of it. The rest of it is I think it's just the same um, procedure that every hunter uh, lives by, you know, or, or the etiquettes or uh, that, that every hunter, you know, uh, lives by today, you know, tries to live by. Um, so there, mm. I don't see any difference in that. And slitting the throat, throat the, I think yeah. that's the most humane way, right? So if rather than shooting a bullet, another bullet, going close to it rather than that, you can just slit the throat. It's quicker, quicker death, I guess. Well, I think that even as you mentioned, even the the the, the requirement to have a sharp knife is like, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that there's a there's a, a a very practical lesson in that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Plus, you know, how does people used to, you know, if they have want to, you know, harvest the meat from the farm raised animal i'm not talking about modern age let's say if you go back to 1200 century i mean i think this this was the procedure right slitting the throat was the procedure oh yeah uh, i mean I, uh, and then you don't have to go back you, you go back last week there's probably you know people who still country kill on farms who don't shoot the animals they, you know they straddle the, the sheep, put their hand, mm. one hand underneath its chin, lift its, lift its, you know, face up in the air and slit its throat. I mean, that's... I, I'm putting my hand up because my my network is delayed and I try and talk. I don't want to talk over anyone. I was just going to say, um, uh, even my, my father, like we, he, he was a shepherd on a sheep station in, in New Zealand and even when we were growing up, that that was the preferred method was to slit their throats yeah. because he felt like um, it, it preserved the meat in a better way. It was a very quick death. Yes, like you said, they, they they can thrash around a little bit, but that's just nerves and, you know, bits and pieces going on. They're, they're well dead at that point. Um, and he felt that bleeding them out quickly was, was the, le the least stressful way. So I thought that was mm. – I, I think people probably still do that now on the farm. 
Um, so I don't think that that's, I mean, probably to some, no. some more city people, that's uh, a little bit more visceral. It's, it's, it's a tougher thing to do. I think it's easier for people to, to stand behind a rifle than it is to look in the eye of an animal when they do that sort of stuff. So it can be confronting, absolutely. But I don't think that mm. there's anything unique about that. Um, a couple of questions no. when I'm talking. Um, so I've, I've had a couple of these conversations in camps uh, trying to understand it for myself just just to to make sure that I was um, you know supporting some of the people that I was mentoring right because we mentor hunt a number of people and they come from all different walks of life um, so I asked the question and I'll get you to answer it even though I, I sort of think I understand it um, so you're talking about um, speaking the name of 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 your God regardless of um, what religion you're talking about um, prior to killing that animal, now, hunting, as you all know, um, can be very quick. And I can tell you if I had to stop and do that, I'd probably let half the deer walk away. Um, even though it's a quick thing in your mind, it's probably quite instinctive to do it. But there's got to be situations where that doesn't happen. And talk me through that. There must be a, you know, you, you're still doing the right thing in your mind. You're still doing the right thing by everyone concerned. Um, I'm assuming there's a, there's a post-mortem version of that that, doesn't mean that the animal spoils on the ground. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, uh, no, not just my thoughts, by the way. You know, I I try to, I learn, by the way, I did learn the religion and I try to follow those scholars who, who try to stick to the revelation, the Quran, and how the prophet himself implemented the Quran in his life and his close companions. So there's less room of opinions because we have evidence to go back to the original sources, right? Otherwise, people are different and they can interpret differently. But whatever sure. law we practice, we need to stress back to the source. So that's that's my methodology. Now, it's a very good question because hunting, you have to be very spontaneous because you're seeing the animal, especially deer hunt. You, go, you literally got two to five seconds, right? Especially mm -hmm. when you're bush hunting, you know, all you need to do is yeah. lift the scope and tap, right? So one of the workaround is to be perfect, to make it halal, you know, and Harun taught me that trick as well, and it works for me. That And even in, in daily, you might have seen in Harun's videos that he opens the doors and say, Bismillah. So whenever you start something new or sit in your car or you want to start any new work, right? For example, just before starting this podcast, I say, Bismillah, and I sat here. So that becomes your habit. It becomes... Uh, instantaneous. So when you're lifting, so when you go to the target practicing for it, you might take your two two and five hundred rounds. For each time you lift your scope, while you're lifting your scope, you train yourself to say Bismillah, even before you take the animal in the scope. So it becomes natural. But there are they they have been cases where people does not remember, and there has been uh, some narrations directly about around around this topic. So when you're loading a magazine, for example, you're loading a magazine with bullets, you say Bismillah at that time, and you put all your magazines, oh, sorry, it's, it's late over here, it's almost 10 p.m., so I'm, I'm mixing the words. So when you're <laughs> putting your bullets in the magazine, you say Bismillah and put it. So it's kind of like covered, and you you know put the magazine and you walk around. Yes, it's not. it may not be loaded, but what I normally do, I've got this safari sling, I load the I even load the bullet, but the, the bolt is not active, right? It's just there with the rubber band on it. 
So yeah. I say Bismillah and, and, and the bu- bullet is sitting in the chamber. And the moment I see the deer, I just lift it up. But once I even I forgot, but I do make sure that when I'm putting the bullet or when I'm loading the bullet and keeping it ready, I say Bismillah at that time and I'm ready because the main uh, f- fundamental in Islam is your intention, right? Yeah. Your intention that you made an intention that you're going to take the animal in the name of God uh, and, and you keep it. So you, even though you're not able to commit an action, but before you committed action, you had an intention. So that should suffice and it's still halal. It happened to one me as well recently, even though I practice a lot, I, out of nowhere, I saw an animal and I just took it. And after I took it, I realized that I, while I was pulling the trigger, I didn't say Bismillah. But but when I came out of my car, I made sure that I had my magazine loaded. And when I did my first you know, bullet in the chamber, I did say Bismillah. So it's allowed, inshallah. When I say inshallah, uh, it means uh, God willing. Hmm. So, in a sense, intention. what you're saying is it's you're. Uh, I'm using the wrong. We're probably going to use the wrong words here, but you're blessing the activity of your hunt, not necessarily the individual animal at the time, and that that that's showing the intent that you're you're hoping for. And yes, you're going to yes. do everything you can to, to follow your guidelines and things, but things happen. You know, um, action can be fast, and, and you know, I sort of understand that. Um, so my second question then. Um, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm mentoring um, uh, a, a fella, and um, if I am not, I'm, I'm not a religious man, right? So I'm not of the book of any persuasion, you know. Um, so it doesn't matter what happens in my world; uh, I'm doing the wrong thing um, it, under these guidelines, right? So, um, is your is your Islamic hunting buddy? able to bless an animal that I shoot? Can I, is, is there a scenario where that works? You and I, Ali, are hunting together, but I take a shot, but I want to gift you the animal. Is this a possibility? Is there a way that I can do that? Or um, I just Look, take it's, it's, it in that scenario? And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pull apart the rules like, or find, find, uh, find loopholes. That's not what I'm asking. It's, Really about trying to support. No, no, look, they are, yeah, look, Islamic jurisprudence is a general ruling, and there's a lot of exceptions. Like, like sure. I said, they, if you look, if you open up the Quran, the 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 the, the way the Quran articulates, it's got, it's very rich in its meaning, and it tried to address multiple scenarios. Even the hunting, but hunting had a lot of different scenarios. It's like that debate between what's the best caliber, three hundred eight, thirty or three hundred what green bullet and it goes on and on and on. So pretty yeah. much is like that. Yes, just a caliber, but there's so many branches and branches has got branches. The same similar analogy I could uh, give about the rulings or the constitution of Islam. So it, it's now you said you're not a religious man, right? But generally, would you consider yourself as a Christian? Or, or nothing? Uh- no, like, I, look, I, no, I, I, I was raised as a Christian, but I'm, I'm not a believer of it. So, um, so no, I'm not. Yeah, no. Look, that that that's a good one, and uh, I thought you guys might ask another question to me, um, relating to this topic. Just say, uh, just just uh, just to clarify, it's thirty oh six, by the way. I think I just yeah. think. We just need to 
clarify that, okay? If there is one truth in this universe, it's 3086, okay? Yeah, that's what Harun was trying to point out. Uh, religious <laughs> sensitivity is equivalent to caliber sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I apologize look, for I, that. Uh, <laughs> Ali, the, the answer can be no. It, it's okay. okay. I don't, yeah. I don't need to find an answer to no, it. No, I, I want to... Well, no. I, I, I suppose to, to clarify, I, I certainly, I, there's, I do not regard myself as a Christian. So mm. I, I'm, uh, I'm a, a pure secular. Yeah, that's it. I'm a secularist. See, that, that, before I answer your question, Ian, mm. um, I'd like to talk about another aspect, which could be quite interesting. Technically, any meat yeah, yeah. from Jews and Christian is allowed. Mm. Right? And, they, mm. and because of that, there's so much... Uh, now, the second point is, but the Christians of today's era, they, when you talk to them, my mother was Christian or my grandfather was Christian or my parents used to go to church, but I'm not a Christian. So there's so much confusion. And one of the members did respond to you, Mark, saying that if it is from Jews and Christians, the meat is allowed, right? But the, the technicality is the Jews and Christians of, of the modern Jews and Christians, the majority, I'm not saying there are still some practicing Jews and Christians, mm. many, but in general, I'm talking about, they say they don't consider themselves to be Christian. So mm. it becomes very tricky, this law. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah. it's not allowed because they're not Jews or Christians, right? And in saying that, they were Jews and Christians at the time of prophet, right? So they used to come and offer meat, but the procedure of processing the meat among the Jews and Christians were well known because they were very similar to Islamic practice because Jews Christians used to follow the law from the Old Testament, right? So it was very similar to crochet. So it was allowed because it was underst it was understood that Jews and Christians follow the same process because the God, it's the same God. The God of Abraham, God of Moses is the God of Muslims. But in the modern days, Right, or I'm talking about you know Western Christians in America and Australia in general. They don't regard themselves as Christians. So, uh, if 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 a non-Christian, non-Jew, or non-Muslim, even though he may say uh, Bismillah and shoot it, that meat is not allowed for a Muslim. Yep, it's the okay. intent. Right, unless somebody and says intent. It's, it, so it has to be among these three religions. If, if some, for example, it's a Hindu, right? I've got a lot of Hindu friends. And if even if he shoots in the name of Allah, that meat is not Allah. He has mm -hmm. to be the Muslim, Jew, or a Christian. Or a believing, maybe not at full practicing, but he say, okay, you just need to say, I'm, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. you know, and I believe in that, in the, in the uh, God of Moses or Abraham, you know, then that's a minimum uh, requirement. That's the most of it's clear, you know. In the question you were asking, uh, I'm assuming that uh, you were saying, yeah, so I'm assuming, I think I'm lagging, uh, probably that's why. Um, uh, so I'm assuming okay. with your question is uh, that uh, you were uh, the, the person who you are mentoring, is that person with you? At that, at the time you're shooting, or you you were just saying that you're yeah. shooting it and he's not there with you, and you're giving it to him. 
if he's there with you, because if he's so there with you, my scenario you can is absolutely shooting it. No, the way I understood your question, Ian, that you shot a an animal, and while you're shooting an shooting an animal, you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, right? So, so you know you don't regard yourself to be a Christian. So the the animal you shot and you the meat you have harvested is not a halal for a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did did I understood your question correct? By the way, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And I think Harun, to answer your question, um, I was helping. Um, I was mentoring a new hunter who was Muslim. He was with me at the time, <clears throat> but I shot the animal because it was quick. And at that point in time, I I, I would have liked to have shared that animal with the fellow that was with me. And, well, and under this scenario, as far as I can tell, I can't do that. All right. So in that yeah. case, uh, then if uh, if you're there, if he's there with you and you shoot it, he can absolutely go and slaughter that animal and then you, he can use it as well. So you're assuming yeah, yeah, that if, if you both reach that animal... I shot it dead. No, it's, uh, I think what Harun is saying, this d different scenario, right? The yeah. two scenarios here, you shot the animal, it's dead when you reach it, right? So then it's not allowed. But you shot a, the other scenario, you shot an animal, you reached the animal, still alive, and your Muslim friend said Bismillah and slaughtered it and, or slit the throat, then it's allowed, inshallah. Okay. I don't think Harun was intentionally having a go at your shooting prowess, man. But... <laughs> no, and, and, and while we're being jovial, and I don't want this to sound really bad, but you're telling me I should just slow them down. <laughs> just shoot the front legs. That's it. That's right. Shoot, shoot off the shoulder or front That's leg, right. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I suppose for me is that when I generally share meat, okay? Yes, sir. So that's kind of what it is. You know, you know that's what we so if, And that's that's always been. So when you come back to camp, if you hit a hit a, a deer and we, we're cleaning up, a, you know, I mean, you shoot a deer, clean up in camp, you say, who... Does anyone want some? So that's what it is. So I would, and I would extend that offer to, you know, that offer isn't, um, isn't circumvent. I extend it to everyone. I say, okay, so that's something I, I just would be might. So if someone said, no, I can't take it, I'd go, oh, okay, that's why. I'd give it context. And so what about from what, a, yeah. a follow up shot? So if, if you shot a deer and you had said your blessing, but you didn't fatally kill that deer and we were having to search for it and I was helping you search for it. I found it and then I shot it and put a finishing shot in it. And I'm not a practicing Christian. What happens then? If you had blessed it when you took the first shot with the intent to kill. That's wow. very technical. We need a, we need a whiteboard. Today. Now, there are situations in this. Look, there are situations, yeah. like, for example, dog hunting is prescribed in, uh, Islam in Islamic law. So when you're releasing the dog or falcon hunting, or you can hunt with a leopard, right? You release that animal saying Bismillah, and the animal, for example, the dog got it. But when you reach the animal, there are, there are situations you see, you're seeing two dogs and you're unsure which dog took it. The one you release by Bismillah or uh, saying Bismillah or the other dog, which 
which which you does not own. So there are situations like that. I might have to refer the books, and there are many books. I have to go through this many books. Didn't mean for it to be technical, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a good good uh, situation. Look, I th- the I might have to come back to you on yeah. it. Right. No, no, no. Um, I, I have a very similar yeah. situation, Ali. Well, I was hearing this podcast mm. today. And, well, apparently, this happened in America quite recently. So it's a bit of a you know, side note. Uh, but uh, what happened was uh, there was a person, a lady who shot a deer at about 600 meters. And, there was, uh, and she shot about three shots at that deer, three or four shots. Uh, and there was this other guy. Uh, is apparently quite well known in the hunting industry. He he shot that deer, that same deer, from about 700 meters from another direction, and then they both reached, and then they started fighting who that deer belongs to. So apparently, there is a law in America which states there are two opinions to that. So whoever shoots first, that's their deer, and the other law is uh other states law is whoever shoots the first lethal shot it's their deer so it, it's a very I similar think, situation second, sec, mm. second one which you mm. say will be very close to islamic law and i'm using the analogy of those two dogs i've given uh whoever takes the lethal shot if the muslim guy takes a lethal shot then it's halal for a muslim consumption but he might have just not might yeah. have taken him. You wouldn't know. You, know, you wouldn't know until you find that. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah lethal shots yeah. a bit. Yeah. But look, there's a lot of uh, room for uh, benefits of doubt as well, in in and open to interpretation. And uh, but for that one to have a confirmed ruling, I might have to consult the mm. scholars because that's tricky. And I'm, I won't be surprised if there's opinions in the among the scholars about it. But it's going to be tricky because, uh, in general wastage is highly discouraged right and there's also a room for benefit of doubt to make things halal as well mm. but there are always different opinion you might see one muslim might say one one particular individual because of his mindset is like i'm that's doubtful i don't want to use it other individual might say you know doubtful ah lord honey might still take it ian you had your hand up i saw that Yes, I keep raising my hand. Um, I think he is having internet. And, and the, con- the context of this always is, you know, in the spirit of helping people, you know, so, um, mm. you know, religious or not religious, the context here is I'm helping a new hunter. Um, you know, um, we've taken the opportunity to, to shoot an animal um, and, you know, that new hunter was part of the hunt and the right thing to do is to, is to share the spoils so you know you're doing it with with that sort of mindset so yeah i was i was hoping as i thought about this this afternoon knowing that we were going to have this conversation and i and i knew uh, a fellow that i'd spoken to said if you were in the situation where you had forgotten the blessing beforehand um then retrospectively you could you could still offer it um that potentially that was doable over an animal that i had shot um you know, with with all of that context in mind, but I, I think what I'm hearing is to be as safe as possible. Um, don't carry the rifle, and <laughs> let let my uh, let the, the the person who's coming with me yeah, uh, do the well, damage. There's no there's no room for doubt. 
I mean, but that was a very interesting point you, you brought up there about wastage. So there's also the question of, you know, obviously, you, and this is just an interpretation, you don't want to have a, you don't want to have an argument about can you use it or not use it while it's wasting on the ground because that's actually maybe even a greater, you know, a, a, a greater, you know, sin for what, for a better word than actually, you know, the wastage of the animal is probably the, the worst thing you can do rather mm. than, which is, you know, again, you think about it from a, from a subsistence point of view. If that is the, is that true? If that thing on the ground is your only food source, you hardly want to get into an arm wrestle about you know what what it is you want it, you you need to eat. So I think that's the, that idea of you know the, the value of the animal in itself has some weight into the argument. Is it is it of of is it a right or or uh, you know is it a right or a wrong kill? I think that's quite an interesting take on it. That idea of wastage. Because mm. I mean I I know that from from our from you know, from the people I hunt with, there is nothing wrong in someone taking a second shot on an animal that you shot if if it's if if your first shot hasn't been a good shot, and and simply because you'd rather say it's dead rather than it's now somewhere suffering because of a mm. so it's it's no longer about you know who rules it's about okay you have an obligation to dispatch this animal as as quickly as possible so that you know that overrides mm. um you know other other you know considerations the, the first the primary consideration is that the welfare of the animals got to be taken yes. care of so if your friend she hit shoots and fires and doesn't doesn't land a fatal shot and that looks like that deer's just about to disappear into you know heavy timber and you might not see it again if you if you take the second shot and kill it, well, that's the most important thing. Yeah, no question. Look, a couple of things there. The animal rights has been upheld and stipulated uh, 1,400 years back from now when, you know, um, like I said, you know, the knife should be shot. You can't, and halal is not just about that meat. It's all about your actions as well, whether your mm. actions are halal or not. For example, you're not allowed to just kill a kangaroo for target practice. Prophet Prophet Sallallahu said it specifically when you're hunting, then don't just hunt it for target practicing. Hunt it for hunt it when you're using it. Don't mm. let it go waste. For example, it's not allowed for me to go and just you know shoot around just for recre recreation if it's not for the meat consumption, unless it's for culling. If if the if the animals are known for destroying farmlands or being, you know, uh, harmful to the human beings, culling is allowed, right? But you're not allowed to waste this this rights in animals. And there are narrations, a classical narration, for example, a woman, uh, even though she was very sinful, she showed a mercy to a dog by giving a water because in in Arabia and desert it's a harsh climate, right? And and she gave the water to the dog who was struggling. And because of that act, Allah liked it and granted paradise to this woman, even though she was sinful. But in another case, there was a very righteous woman. She cornered a cat, locked it, and let it die starving. And even though she was righteous all her life, because of that one act, she had to go through hell. She'll be punished in the hell for, for a time period till that. 
sin is uh, been expedited. So there are narrations like that. And it's very serious that we don't, if, if the hunt is not upholding the right. So yes, not not waste, hunt to make sure that you're harvesting from it, not just hunt for target practicing, uh, unless it's for culling. Um, and also talk about halal is not just about the meat. But if you're training somebody, Ian, right? If you're training somebody, um, when I go with Harun, I let him shoot because I know he's more uh, precise shooter than me. And when I see him shooting, I learn, right? So if I, for example, if I'm hunting with you, I'd rather let you shoot and not have the meat because for me, learning how to hunt will be more important than having a share in the spoils. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I have another question. Um, uh, one of the conversations that I had was around hunting for trophies. Right. So uh, all of the conversation that you've had is uh, so far around hunting, hunting for meat and consumption. Um, I understand that hunting uh, for, for trophy value is, is not something that you do. Yeah, look, if you're just hunting for a trophy and you're just taking the head with the antlers and you're letting the body waste, that's definitely not allowed because you're wasting uh, the animal. Again, it comes under, you know, target practice of, of that nature. Unless you mix the trophy with the meat, you harvest the meat and you have intention to harvest it, uh, yeah. then it, 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 it's, you're allowed. Or there could be a remote area where you can't harvest the whole animal, and you know that, yeah, and and you know that that animal in that remote area is detrimental to the environments and landscape, and it's been the verdict has been given by experts. Then that comes under culling, right? Mm. Which is again allowed. So in general, no trophy hunting uh, may come under the category of recreation hunting and just you're not using the animal unless it's for culling or yeah i hope yeah, it's that's, an interesting that's, that's clear. i know there's a lot of exceptions in no, no, right. yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah. i mean and, and i would just, you I would just add one thing. sorry and i would sorry, just like to add one thing sorry, in sorry. there's culling and there's uh, uh culling is shooting in mass right um and so also there's also when when ali was saying uh that we are shooting something in in a remote remote area, uh, and it's been classified as feral by the government. If the ruling government uh, is classified classifies it as feral, and uh, you are supposed to be shooting it, then yes, you're allowed to shoot it. But culling is seen more of a, more as a shooting in mass. Uh, that's why I just want yeah, to look, make I, that I, distinction. I think I... I, I need to qualify that term culling because, you know, when I say culling, I mean government has said that's a feral and it's been detrimental, so go. And that's why I gave that evidence that Prophet himself allowed to, to kill the stray dogs because they were biting uh, the inhabitants of the area. So it's not that I classify myself a certain animal is on, even on my private property, right? Uh, so I, I mean to say culling in that context unless it's been if you're if you're hunting an animal on a, a public land and the government should tell okay you're allowed to take that animal for example foxes you can shoot a fox right because that's feral and it's been detrimental to the environment or even in your farm there's some animals coming in you know uh, destroying your your crops or anything like that then you're allowed to take unless the government uh, again you have to 
be compliant with authorities you're living in as well. Yeah. So which is render so, unto, I think is render unto Caesar, isn't it? That's the term we're talking about here. We're talking about you know the the laws of the land are the laws of the land, yeah. and you're and we're yeah. required to comply with those laws of yes. land. As, yeah. as you know, and the the quote is render under un, render unto Caesar. You know. Caesar's yeah. laws are Caesar's laws. Yep. The laws of the land around here are that deer are feral. Mm. Even though they're beautiful to eat, they're still a feral. And in most cases, you are pest mitigating. Um, it's, it's the way public, ha public land was set up, whether that's its current uh, motive or not. Um, that was the idea. You know, hunters would go into this land to help control the numbers of ferals on the public land, and yes, we got to make it, take advantage of it. I guess my question was more around your thoughts on um, uh, trophy hunting in general, as a as as the as the purpose that you were going hunting. And if that's a feral animal, and you're saying that that's okay, um, I was under the assumption that um, shooting an animal to put its head on the wall, like behind Mark, is is not necessarily um, something that's part of, part of your hunting. Is it okay yeah, look, if I... Uh, the... Sorry, you're breaking a lot, Harun. Is it okay if I answer that question? Yeah, sure. Bro. Yeah, so... Uh, look, trophy hunting, in my opinion, and Ali, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not wrong unless you're putting the meat to some use. Say, for example, if I'm yeah, going... Yeah, that... So, so say, for example, I'm going hunting internationally, right, uh, to Africa or to America or New Zealand or wherever it is, you know, for, for a few days, two, three days or whatever. So obviously I will not be able to harvest the full animal and get it back to my to my home, right, the way I would do it uh, in my own country, which is Australia. So I would at least try to consume whatever I can, like, you know, in the camp or whatever. And then the rest, I can just give it to, say, whoever's you know, with the outfitter or or the local locals over there. I can always. But the point is, making use of that meat is important rather than just, yeah. you know, taking away the head and walking away with it. Yeah, yeah you're spot on. I think that's what I mean to say, that you're, you have two intentions, right? If I'm going for a hunt, I'm, I'm, I love red deer. I, I like to have a you know big antler deer, right? But I'm not just hunting for those antlers. I, I'll be consuming the meat. But if I travel, for example, a 12-pointer in Brisbane, that's not my you know, hometown, right? I'll distribute the meat with the locals. So somebody's consuming. It's not going to waste, mm. right? So, But I still have got two intentions. One is for a trophy and also a meat. But a third scenario could be, you know, I'm just, uh, for example, there could be an animal, for example, elephant, right? I just want to hunt an animal and get a tusk and hang it on the wall. That's not allowed, Cause regardless of where I'm traveling, right? Because that's, that's purely recreational and you're not using it unless you're, you know, there's some benefit. You're extracting some medics, medicines out of it. There need to be some just to be, you can't just go and shoot an animal that's that's clearly not allowed i think majority of scholars will say that um because yeah. it falls yeah. under not shooting an animal just for target practicing well 
target practicing is highly encouraged in in islam target practice swimming and general maintaining the fitness uh, and hunting was highly practiced game as well but it's purely for consumption survival uh not 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 just for you know a trophy unless it's a kind of like best management but i mean your yeah. example of so elephants my... in in in, Af- in in africa that meat gets distributed to the local yeah, community so, yeah so right. that would yeah. be that would be yeah. allowed you would be allowed yeah. to shoot that's an elephant allowed. because that meat's being utilized by the community yes. that's right yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So My, it's basically what we, you know, what we're saying is in it in you know the the most um, the negative interpretation of trophy hunting, i.e., there's a red stag, bang, shoot it, cut its head off, leave it in the paddock. No, exactly. No. Uh, but if you if you go if you go on a, a paid hunt and you get you see the red stag that you've always wanted for the wall and you take it and you. And yes, you take the antlers and you you somehow utilize that animal as as best you can in that circumstance. The intent is utilization, not just purely trophy. What about yes. what about poaching? If you were poaching, <laughs> poaching a deer for the intent of eating it, no, oh, yeah. it's, a question, no it's a valid question. Finally, you ask this question. I know. No, we, we, we spoke a lot about it in, in the, even in the Muslim hunter camp, right? People overseas, they hunting for them is night hunting, right? Yeah. Uh, so I might have a permission in a state forest, but I'm hunting at night. You're not allowed to hunt that because you're coming in a contract. You're signing a contract and, and a Muslim uh, does not betray or break his contract. So it's like stealing. Poaching is stealing, mm-hmm. right? So, of course... We were in the start of the discussion, you know, to a, a real practitioner, Islamic practitioner will make sure that he's punctual at his job, upholding, you know, being trustworthy, not betraying it so that the money is acquiring to get the sustenance to make it perfect halal, right? So that that's a mindset of a Muslim. But if somebody's going just shooting an animal randomly, that's that that comes under, you know, stealing. Because you don't own the land, land owned by the state. Yeah, some, some, I met some weird concept, oh, it belongs to God. No, the, God has sent people to govern the land and you have to obey the authority. Oh, if you have a problem with that, maybe, you know, go somewhere else or, or do it on your own private property. So that's definitely not hal- uh, allowed mm-hmm. or halal. Uh, even you might have in a straight forest, you might shoot an animal 9 p.m. or somebody might, it's not halal. It, it comes under seating. No, so no, that goes back to the original point, isn't it? That the, the original point that halal is not simply a processing. It's it's a I don't know. It's it's a belief system in the in 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 the manner in which you're acting. It's it's a way of life. It's not just the final act. It's also the other act which is leading That's to the right. final act. So, the, yeah. so as you were saying that. Um, if you, if you, you know, the way the world works, you earn money, you buy meat from the supermarket. You, there could be a question of that, of its pure, in, you know, intention there. And whereas what you're saying with hunting, it's actually seen as a very, very pure intention because there's no other mitigating factors other yeah. than you and the animal. So it's up to you now to withhold, uphold that. Perfect. So, yep. you know things then so those things come into play again which is you know the more 
I suppose the the morality of it. If it doesn't matter if the if um, it doesn't matter what you say, if that deer is a deer that you shouldn't be shooting for a, a, a reason, it's someone else's property. You're not supposed to be there. You can't claim that that's a halal activity because you, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, hundred percent. Even on the public property, public you you might have a permission, but you shot. Uh, maybe 9 p.m. after you know half an hour mm. past the sunset. That's that's not allowed. That's that definitely haram because that's not on your uh, contract or or permit. It's a it's a really look. I I don't know how many people are going to get that, but that's a really interesting takeaway from it because you know the conversation has and even for us has been dominated by the processing of meat within a certain. Sure approach known as halal but what you're saying no it's actually it's more about your intention there's a lot more in it than just you know it's just, just the processing yeah. of meat yeah yeah and then and it's, so sorry carry on so i i could see a hundred dollars go buy a sheep right and i process with the halal better of course that animal is not halal for me because the money i acquired was was stealing so so there's a concept called taqwa. Taqwa means you are God conscious and you are conscious about the rules to govern and live your life. And and if you deviate from that, that that's not halal. Or, and once you deviate from it, anything which comes from the diversion, it's also not halal. That is really interesting. Mm. So um, just to change uh, this, the questioning a little bit, um, my my line of questions all about um, how we can how we can um, include and help as many people as as possible, and you know Haroon's come on the journey. Um, you know he's listened to the podcast. He's he's gathered some some ideas and some skills along the way, and he's become a very successful hunter. And it's it's been fantastic to watch. And we have uh, we run these camps right a um, couple of times a year where people come and participate in the camps and. Um, you know, we, we, we help them get into public land and we help them go hunting. And a lot of the time they'll go hunting by themselves, but we'll facilitate a place that people can come and enjoy the experience together. Um, so I was asking about trophy hunting and I was asking about um, whether I could, you know, shoot an animal and whether they could take the meat if there was a process that, you know, we would be able to do that. And I asked that because people come to the camp and, um, and I've noticed in the past, you know, we're all sitting around having a good time and we've, we've had a conversation uh, about the day's hunt and, and whatnot. And then dinner, then it's dinner time and, you know, one or two, two people, you know, hop up and they disappear and they don't participate in the meal I'll because they're nice, you know, they're polite enough just to, you know, go and do their thing and not make a fuss about it. Um, but, you know, you know, a couple of fellas disappear off to their tent and have a backcountry meal while we're chowing down on, some nice back steaks that weren't halal. So, you know, and it was a real, it's a real shame to not consider people in your camp um, and not even on purpose, like it's just an accident. So understanding the food prep side of that, because we've spoken about halal quite a bit, um, what other considerations are there for people that are coming to a communal camp that we might think about that aren't necessarily food related but are there, are, there, are there places you go or ways you set up or other things that you should include or think about um, to um, involve Islamic people? Yeah, the other aspect could be uh, alcohol is not 
allowed halal so and it depends if the person is practicing or not as well but generally if if the individual is a practicing muslim then uh, uh, don't offer him alcohol uh, there are rulings if the alcohol is is uh, mixed with the food um the, the the right opinion is if the alcohol is processed and this not the output of that process is not intoxicant yeah then it's allowed it's, it's but majority it of the people that's that's what the mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the problem with alcohol the in, anything which is intoxicant is not halal right but if you use alcohol in medicine and it's been or food and it's been transformed and it's not intoxicant but it's a very controversial and sensitive topic among the muslim majority of the people they they just want to you know stay away from alcohol altogether so that's something sensitive be mindful uh, about the alcohol dogs should be fine generally dogs you're not are they, in in islamic law you're not allowed to have a dog unless it's for hunting hmm. or for guarding the cattle I so i can't just have a dog as a pet unless it's for hunting or guarding the cattle i know it's it's kind of like you know sometimes i feel awkward but i got over it because i'd like it's it's not i didn't create a law because i i believe that it's coming from god right and it's it's god who created a law so i'm just conveying what it is but there is a bit of drift like you know gambling is not allowed liquor is not allowed interest is not allowed yeah. so all that thing which are very common in west are not allowed and and uh, it troubled yeah. me when i came to australia initially but l- later on i was like the two things like you know and, and it might sound very complicated right but the basic principle is do you really believe the god is the god is true or allah is the real god and do you really believe based on your research if islam is the religion sent by the the real god or allah then if if these two things are clarified the remaining becomes easy and the last point is i'm talking about muslim mindset in general right is the god real is the religion really from the god and what is the purpose of the life the pur- what we believe the purpose of the life is a test the human beings came from heaven we are going through a test and we need to follow this law there are a lot of things which are attractive which could be beneficial but are made uh, impermissible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself said in Quran there are benefits in there may be some benefits in alcohol and gambling but it's not allowed right so we're, it's going through a test and we go after that there's another life so if that's the mindset of a muslim so when they a non muslim might say that doesn't make sense but remember it's a test for a muslim he's is trying to secure no. a a wealth in life here after by following this law because he'll get rewarded for it and he believe he doesn't follow this law then he'll get punished for it in an eternal life after that so thank you that's a really a really oh, sorry. yeah it's going to say all, we're all going <laughs> yeah the, the i suppose the 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 clarification is obviously not ex, not offering or accepting alcohol but what about being around alcohol you'll see the consumption of alcohol is not allowed so right. being around people consuming being, alcohol yeah, okay, sure. even, even you know and again it's very sensitive but the the if you go back to the academics so in 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 simple terms you're always the designated driver <laughs> yeah <laughs> so oh, it's always good to have a muslim in a camp <laughs> we, go. we got that we got that problem solved haven't we 
Yeah, yeah fairly safe around. I think that's right, that's right. I've always got a designated driver. There we go. I would just like to add a couple of things. So in general terms, Ian, um, uh, and in uh, respecting everything that Ali Ali just mentioned about, you know, what we are not allowed to do, and these are some things that, you know, and I've been to a few camps where I have uh, camped with uh, non-Muslims, and uh, um, it's, I shouldn't, um, you know, my belief shouldn't really be, uh, you know, imposed on someone else. That's that should be that is our belief that it not it's not supposed to be imposed on someone else. So if you want to drink, go for it. If you want to gamble, go for it. If you want to do whatever you want, go for it. It shouldn't really affect us in any ways, or it shouldn't stop you from doing that. Uh, look, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, like as Ali said, it is our belief system that we should we should be away from these things because there's a life after that, and you know we are we are accountable of our actions. Uh, you know what happens to us in the future. So that is our belief. So feel free to do whatever you want to do in the camp. Uh, yeah, being caught. Uh, yeah, like for example, um, you know, keeping in mind certain things like uh, you know. If a person is Muslim, then, you know, if he drinks, and there are a lot of Muslims that I know who drink, if he drinks, he won't really wait for you to ask him to drink. You know, ask you to, can I, can I have a beer or something? He will come and grab a beer and grab a beer for, for himself, but it wouldn't be right to offer him a beer or, or an alcohol or alcoholic or intoxicant, uh, whatever you say, um, uh, you know, if you know that he's a Muslim, so there's some. These are just the or minor. It, or sorry, sorry. Yeah, or it might be. Just, uh, it might be uh, not to get to to not get offended if it's refused. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably because you might, you know, you you, you know, it, we don't get a, we don't get around with t-shirts to saying, you know, these these are things I can and can't do. So if you meet exactly. someone in camp yeah. and you offer them, and they say, no, sorry, I, you know. You go, okay, simple. cool, no problem. Simple, simple, yeah, as, then, as simple yeah, as that. The, the, mm. There is yeah. some sensitive aspect around it. I'm talking about the pure academics behind it, right? The alcohol is not, it's the intoxicant essence of it, it's haram, not allowed. Uh, the pork, for example, you consider it as something impure. But alcohol is not considered as impure. So, but there is the people kind of like mix between them. Uh, between this, the understanding the concept, right? If if alcohol drops on some Muslim, they think it's impure, and it's kind of like offensive. But the reality is, alcohol is not impure. The essence, the intoxicant. Because I do wear uh, perfumes which has alcohol. It, you're allowed to wear it because I'm not consuming it. I'm getting intoxicated. But in cases like pork, for example, the meat itself it considers impure for consumption. So a Muslim will try mm. to avoid touching the pork, for example, right? But he can touch alcohol. But so, general, generally people don't know that or the general masses of Muslims. So it's better, maybe we can ask them, right? You know, or before serving, if there's any alcohol mixing the food, just let them know. It's up to their personal preferences. It may not be religious. I had friends back in my country who were non-Muslims, but avoid alcohol because they believe 
uh, consumption of alcohol will delay the recovery after, you know, a long uh, soccer or a football match. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, personal preference. Better ask yeah. them, you know, always. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I um, touch then on, and uh, I think what I've heard is we've got the, we've got the sober driver and you guys can bring the meat and we're all good. Um, but beyond that, <laughs> you talked about, talked about a couple other things. Uh, no, it's sounding like pretty good. I'm going to drink a beer while you can. Sounding pretty good. Um, <laughs> a couple other things. Uh, you talked about um, interest. Now, I want to talk about it in a minute. But before that, because that's fascinating to me, that one. It's got nothing to do with hunting, but I want to understand that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was gambling. Now, um, this might sound trivial, and, and it's all coming back to hunt camp, right, and and how to prepare for everybody. Um, we run raffles, right? You put your, you put your $5 in for the chance to win the binoculars. Um, now, that can be seen as gambling, maybe. It is gambling. Um, it is gambling, yeah. right. So yeah. if I said... I mean, if I, mean, I said, when I say it is gambling... Yeah. Sorry, continue. Um, if I restructured that I, in a way that said that, no, no, no. So uh, hmm. if I if I created a raffle where you gave ten dollars to join, then you might win the binoculars. That's that's gambling uh, in 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 that in that sense. But if I asked you to donate ten dollars to a charity, for and and hmm. uh, everyone goes into the draw to win the binoculars, does that include you in the process? These are the little subtleties that uh, try and help us understand no, how to be. Very, man, that very, is a good question. That is such very, a good very question. Very good question. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I've been thinking about this uh, for weeks. Quran, <laughs> that is a really good question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has specifically spoke about compare charity with interest, for example. right? So charity is allowed. As a matter of fact, charity is encouraged. As a matter of fact, if you want to prove yourself as a Muslim, one of the fundamental principle of practicing Muslim that he needs to give 2.5% of his wealth in charity, mandatory, right? Uh, and more charities are So charity is allowed, but uh, you can donate. So donation comes into charity, but a lottery system or, or putting a money with the intention of an uncertain outcome, that's not allowed. Okay. You can still so, give the donation, um, so and but not accept, the, uh, accept mm. the price, I well, guess. So, okay, here's, here's, here's the thing, because we, yeah, we wouldn't want to, you know, inadvertently not allow some. So if um, I sold you a paper ticket for $10 and you bought this paper ticket for $10, and then later on we decided that for whatever reason we made a decision then that you should get a set of binoculars or you might not, but depending on the decision we made at the time, is that still gambling? So you bought a ticket. I sold you a piece of paper ticket for $10. Make it easy. It costs you $10 to come to camp. You have to pay $10 if you want to participate. The yeah, fact yeah. that we then issue a lucky door prize to somebody ticket, partway through. And here's a camp. ticket to say you, you pay for it. An uncertain outcome, though. Yeah. Look, the first hadith in one of the books of jurisprudence, like I said, every action is based on your intention. Mm. Right? Mm. My intention is coming to the camp, not to gamble. Right. But if I win a prize, so for example, I went to Harun's 
Muslim hunters can twice. I got it. Gift both the time. I was lucky enough. I got. What did you, you get? Know, I, I got two thousand rounds of tutu. Right, but <laughs> my intention was not Ooh. to get that. You know, um, it, it just happened to be I got okay, the prize. Good. But all right, okay. you've answered my question. It's just it, it's important <laughs> in the way that you structure some of these things. Um, you know, not trying to mis mislead anyone into Definitely. doing the wrong it, thing, exactly. but uh, it all depends. You know, the subtleties are important. Yeah. As Adi mentioned, the, uh, the, it's, it's, it all depends on the intention. Um, so, uh, coming to a camp and to pay, it's 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 a valid reason to come to a camp. Sometimes you have to, you know, everyone has to pitch in, uh, you know, when they come in, and there are giveaways for that. It's with the intention that you put in. So now there are many things that we do, like. Uh, uh, we come across these in, in, in many of these Facebook things that you put in, uh, you know, $10 and you can win a brand new 79 series with all the bells and whistles and, and whatnot. That is, uh, you know, gambling. Um, yeah. So, so it's all, it all begins with the intention and what, you know, what's the purpose behind it? What's the context behind it? Just mm. to keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. I've got a question. I asked my other. So, okay, go ahead for it. Sorry, go. go. Well, the, the last one was talk to me about interest, because you know we all live in a yeah, look, in a uh, world of, of borrowing and lending and all of those sorts of things. How does that work? See, the in in general, not general. I mean, clear cut interest is not allowed. You're not allowed to, you know, uh, take interest. And you're also not allowed to give interest. So you'll see a lot of Muslim community, by the way, they're renters, right? And they keep the property market balanced because we rent a lot. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> interest is not allowed uh, straight up. It's one of the major, major uh, uh, offense under, uh, and, and, and there's a major consequences in uh, next life, the life after death. So it is, it is like waging a war against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. There are a lot of justifications. I mean, it's enough for to be uh, constituted uh, in Islam that it's not allowed and people just not practicing it. I'm not taking it. Sorry, I, I forgot what I was saying. But there are also other scholars have came up with a lot of other reasonings why the, the damaging impacts of interest to the society in general um, and the monetary system in general and how, uh, you know, rich becomes richer, poor becomes poorer and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And how the money can lose its value. And it's a big, big financial topic, but the root root cause is like, it's even more worse than having alcohol, if I have to put it from a... Mm. Uh, uh, the in, what do you, I can't remember the, the actual technical term from the offense, but it's more of an offense to deal with interest and consuming alcohol, for example. Wow. I think what yeah. Ian was trying to ask, Adi, mm -hmm. was also how does it work in today's, in, especially in the Western world that we are living, everything away around here you know, revolves around interest, right? Like you want to mm -hmm. buy a house, you get a loan, you're paying interest. You want to buy a car, yeah. you, get, you get a loan, you pay interest. There's, there's no such thing as uh, interest-free loan. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. get paid interest. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, look, and 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 there is a narration, a prophecy by a prophet. There will be a time the interest will be so widespread, and he gave an example of an analogy of a man who's living in in a in in desert. Remember, it's very dusty area, right? So somebody who's wearing a white garment, and you will see the traces of 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 dust. So even though a man might try to abstain from interest, but you'll still see the strains of interest. Because he's trying to keep himself clean, but there's still strains of dust. So it was projected, right? And uh, it's very widespread. I, I, I normally don't deal with interest. I called my bank accounts. I told them not to give me interest. Uh, oh. And also, you know, uh, I try to, you know, take hand loans and put it in my offset account to work around that interest. It's, it's manageable. I mean, I, I live in Sydney. I own a house. And I believe that I I had that mindset of regardless. I'll, I'll stay without a house. I don't care. Because how many years I'm going to live in this world? 60, 100 years? I'm going to spend more time under the ground in my grave than the time above the ground. So I'd rather sacrifice the life above the ground so that I have comfort under the ground or, or in the next world. But in saying that, look, I had that intention. I worked hard and I don't pay interest because I've got money sitting in my offset account. And yes, I. it might appear that I'm losing but i don't see i'm losing my lifestyle you know i've got a four-wheel drive i've got it my wife doesn't work she got a car but the thing is i had that intent i had trust in god and i worked hard and i still have a lifestyle without you know involving in any loans or anything like that and and i, and I can sleep a peaceful night i'm not stressed <laughs> but again look it's a big topic in not mm -hmm. saying that there are a lot of muslims who take interest for the first homes and stuff it's a it's a personal preferences and how much you want to excel. It's like you're saving to build something, right? You save to build something or you sacrifice. So if the mindset is you sacrifice the luxuries of this world so that you can build another world which comes after death, then things start becoming easier. So in general, yes, usually it's one of the major, major offenses in Islamic law, mm. um, more than alcohol. Yeah. Thank you. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's, there's a whole mm. big side side conversation to that, but we won't dive into that now. I just think it's a. a I've never heard that before no. until recently, and I was. Mm. Yeah, I think we spoke around a campfire uh, for quite some time about the subject. It was interesting. Um, <clears throat> Mark, you had a question. Mm. Yeah. So okay. So it's a hypothetical. So. Say there is a guy by the name of, say, let's say Haroom, okay? And this guy, Haroom, is hunting in a forest with other hunters. And on the first day, one of these f f other hunters spots a pig. And just as about he's about to shoot that pig, this other hypothetical hunter called Haroom drives up in his car and scares away the pigs. Okay? Now, now, hypothetically, scares away the pigs. Okay? And so it's seen as, well, maybe, you know, that's just coincidence or anything like that. So the very next day, other hunters in the same group, but other hunters come over the hill and see the pigs in the same position. And they get out to shoot the pigs. And just as they get out to shoot the pigs, this hunter again, let's call him Haroom, turns up again and scares off the pigs. 
Now, I want to know is, is this hunter by the name Harim for some reason protecting those pigs? Is there a reason why he's protecting those pigs from the other hunters? Because he seems to appear whenever they want to shoot those pigs, he seems to be there to scare them off. So I don't know. What do you think? What's your, what's your thought about that guy? Is it a question to me or Harun? No, 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 no. It's just this guy called. No, wait, wait, wait. wait. We're just using the name Harun. I don't know. Harun must be annoying others. He's throwing you under the bus here, Harun. Harun, mate, look. The man in the nose is telling you, stop scaring pigs, okay? Whatever you do, stop scaring pigs. That's right. It was incredibly. It was. It was. It was. You know. I wish we had like a video camera. It was amazing. You know. They're the pigs. It's a room. Same place. Same place. Same. Same time. Yeah. There's a pig. There's a room. That's a real incident. It really happened. Two days in a row. Two days in a row. Same thing at same location. It was like the pigs were waiting for us to turn up, and then just the room turn up. (laughs) (laughs) Just outside of um. Have you hunted uh, Nundal, Ali? Uh yeah, not not in Nundal. Yes, no, I did hunt it in Nundal. Not well, hunting. This is, I would this is literally in just past Ponderosa. Oh, okay. Two days in a row. <laughs> just you come over the gully and there's, <laughs> there's blackberry bush and the pigs are in front of blackberry bush. And... Oh, I think I know that area. I scoured that area. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Even the even at the time when, when when I came to the camp with the food, uh, yeah, I, I told the guys that you know there's someone uh, while I, while I was coming to the camp, there's someone I uh, literally like a minute ago, uh, you know, yeah, uh, right. ran o- ran over a pig, a big <laughs> one, and uh, I came into and Mark said, "How far is it?" I said, "It's just about 200, 250 meters." <laughs> <from> <laughs> <here."> <laughs> it's two kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was trying to drive back, and I was thinking, "Oh shit, I should, I, I, I might have, uh, you know, you know, made a mistake here." I think it's more than two hundred meters. Definitely, it was about two kilometers. That's right. That was the the uh, the uh, the learning from that particular camp was if Haroon ever says take a three hundred meter shot, decline it because it's about <laughs> three kilometers. <laughs> it's a two kilometer shot. That's right. So yes, yeah. It was a great camp, that one. So, yeah, mm. that was it. Uh, that was only that. So, there you go. Stop bothering the pigs. <laughs> Harun. Um, How are we going, guys? I'm, I'm, I'm... Oops. Man, things oh. going haywire on this. If you're having um, a call from hey, Harun. Tell us, mm. Yeah. Tell us about your, um, your growing YouTube channel now and what um, – what your plans are for the future? What what's the target species for you now? In terms of the YouTube channel, like uh, I think we've uh, we've had this conversation earlier. Like I never started this channel with uh, you know with the intention of actually you know, gaining any uh, attention or anything. It was just so that you know I have family spread across the world, and I want and and you know I, like I said I. I grew up hunting with my dad back in the country back in the days and my dad used to record his uh, his hunts in you know in those olden VHS tapes remember those days uh, and uh, mm-hmm. you yeah. know uh, it, it, what happened was uh, sadly uh, uh, there, it, there, uh, due to some incident 
uh, all those recordings and everything were lost. So I wanted to somehow, you know, save my hunts not on, uh, you know, you know, not not on physical copies, but at least uh, you know something on you know on the platform, so that in the future, if my daughters or if my relatives, anyone across the world want to watch it, they can watch it. But eventually, like somehow, it just turned into this. Uh, I wouldn't call it obsession, but just you know, getting uh, myself out there and you know, representing my values uh, of hunting from you know what. With this, especially this topic from Islamic point of view, I try to, you know, uh, um, showcase that through my videos, and uh, and it's been going good. Uh, you know, uh, in, you know, not just uh, from an Islamic tradition, but also from a hunting point of view, and then especially thanks to you guys. Like I've most of the things that I talk over there, probably I would have had that conversation with either Ian or Mark previous day, and I just. Uh, talk the same thing the very next day on the video so and and they work and then you know uh, what I've learned through a limited experience that I have is uh, just keeping it simple and basic Hunt, you know, keeping your hunting simple and basic as much as you can it's uh, is the best way forward Make, you know, there are some basic things that you need to do and then you can still hunt so in terms of that uh, and that's the and you know, I started out hunting in Severn, and then you know, moved on to, you know, with uh, as I got more and more comfortable with hunting on get on getting onto deer in Nundal, and then I started now pushing the boundaries. And I thought, since we don't have many options around Brisbane, um, so I have a mate that lives in uh, Canberra, and uh, what I do is uh, I usually. Uh, and uh, because the the and I think Mark you said the same thing as well in one of our conversations the 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 more south you go towards Victoria the the more variety that you get over there so I was thinking I you know in terms of monetary value like I'm spending about 500 bucks a trip to Nundal, uh you know in in pet in diesel and in, in you know food and stuff you know basic trip. And I'm spending half of the money if I'm going to say flying down to Canberra and just driving down a forest, which is about two hours from there. So, and, and I'm getting more variety there. So why not just target, you know, Samba, you get red deer, fallow, you have much more variety, the, the more south you go. So that's where I'm going to be focusing more of my hunts in the future. Yes, hanging rocks does you know, hold a very special place. And I am going there in a couple of weeks, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, but I'll be more focusing more of my hunts towards, uh, you know, the south now and, you know, chasing Sambo, definitely. Fantastic. And you, did, you went, was it Bondi you went to? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, 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 actually forest, go yeah. To, I actually go to two forests over there. And it's a, it's a very big system there. Uh, in that forest, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to how Nundal is. So you have Nundal, Tagalo, Hanging Rocks, um, uh, you know, Terrible Billy, all these different forests coming. So you have Bondi over there, Kulungubra, uh, then you have Nalbog, Bombala, all these forests coming in together. So, and mm -hmm. all of these forests are very productive. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you need to know the where to look for where to look for them and uh, and uh, and it's uh, it's uh, 
it's amazing that, you know, when you think of Samba, you think of high country, Victoria high country, right? So, and that's not the case. Uh, uh, in those forests, like uh, they live in uh, the most simple uh, of the areas that you can think of in one of those, you know, you walk around those creeks and they're there. It means you don't have to, you know, go into the deep gully systems to find them. So, yeah, those are quite, those are very big forests. If you know, if you get the basics right and, uh, you know, know where you're, where you, and I think, Mark, you and I did a bit of uh, e-scouting mm. of, uh, of Bondi State Forest as well. And, you know, it turns out, you know, we were not far away from, you know, from what we had actually looked on the map, Google Earth. Oh, really? Some of, yeah. the, some of, those, some of those points, there we go. Because I did yeah. notice when, when I watched the video where it looked like you took that deer, I thought, yeah, that's kind of the country we're talking about. One of the things that I've learned, uh, in a, and these are the things that I always used to go away from, like, for example, those uh, fresh logged areas, uh, you know, those are the areas that I never looked at in the past. Like I always used to think, oh, why would the deer come there? What's there for them over there? And, uh, you know, Fresh it's, it's now my mind's regrowth. Exactly. And in my it's view, well, since I've started hunting Bondi, uh, it's just completely reversed. Like I'm now focusing yeah. more on those open countries than, than I ever did before. Um, so yeah, Very it's, nice. it's been going good. Uh, uh, I have plans to grow it more uh, and more more trips coming together. Not much in this in the summer is uh, it's uh, I don't really function well in heat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, having said that, having said that, I'm going to Sydney tomorrow to go on a hunt with uh, Ali uh, to Pennsylvania State Forest. Ah, yes. ah yeah. there we go. That... Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll look forward to seeing that on YouTube sometime in the short term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, got yeah. a, I, shot, a, uh, I shot a fellow out of at, at Pennsylvania. Yeah, it is a good forest. It is. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. It's a, well, it's a working, most definitely a working forest. Um, uh, it's really a working forest. You know, it. it heavy machinery going all the time and things like that, you know, but um, certainly productive and uh, carries a lot of deer in the right places. I mean, there's a lot of human activity there, so you need to be aware of that. I think I think that kind of throws a lot of people off, but there's, the deer are still there. They're just, you know, they're just aware of that, a lot of that human activity. No, but I, 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 was, I took a little fellow there, yeah. In fact, I drove from Pennsylvania to Brisbane in one day. And then, and then did a podcast. And then did a podcast and basically fell asleep. <laughs> fell asleep on the podcast. podcast. Oh, that's yeah, right. Look. Go back and look at episode whatever it was, that's seven. It. Yeah. Uh, not right. sure. Yeah. Just before we wrap up, uh, is there anything else that we may not have covered or asked that you think's uh, worth raising or do you think we've had a good stab at uh, of, of, uh, of the subject? I think it's been a, a really great conversation. Very mm. eye-opening. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. So enjoy hunting and encourage as much as possible. Just just chill. Uh, and if somebody doesn't like anything, they'll let you know. 
uh, but yeah. it was good to good to share uh, this knowledge and uh, and and the questions were really interesting. Yeah. Well, I I, I, think I in appreciate nutshell, both of you coming on and having conversation. I said in yeah, the, definitely, uh, Luca. I, like I said earlier, you know, in a nutshell, you know, halal is, I think, uh, Mark, you summed it up really well. It's not the actual processing of the meat. It's, uh, it's the, the thought or intentions that go behind it uh, as well. Um, and it all lines up with, uh, you know, the, the basic uh, et ethics that a hunter, you know, uh, follows or, you know, sways by. So there's nothing different there. It's just we give it a term halal because it it just literally means permissible, and it's just uh, it's just a uh, it's just a word that kind of misleads people. So yeah, it's uh, you have to. Uh, it's basically you have to do the right thing in a, you know in a, in simple terms, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you don't have to be religious to know that what's, you know, differentiate between what's right and what's wrong. It's just basic common sense. Um, so other than that, yes, there are certain technicalities, you know, which Ali, you know, really uh, explained them really well. Uh, but mm. uh, if you step away from the technicalities, think about it logically, it, uh, it just, everything just makes sense. Uh, you know, and we do it, uh, you know, knowing or unknowingly, we all do it whether we are Muslims or non-Muslims or whatever, we all do it. It's just by just giving that name halal, it just makes it different, which what we are trying to convey the message is not different. It's just a way of life that we follow. Yeah. I think that was really a, a big learning, you know, for me was that the fact that we're, it's not, the, the process is obviously really important but the reasoning behind the process is what really what we're talking about mm. here. We're talking about a, a philosophical view of the world that expresses a process, but the process itself is, is, you know, just the end, what you see, it's not the thoughts and the, and the, and the logic and the, and, and a lot of it is sounds very logical and reasoning. And also, you know, the, the, uh, I suppose the, um, the uh the morality behind it as well and you know that and you i think that really came home about you know like if you do something illegal and then slaughter the animal in the tradition of a halal that does make it you know you, you don't kind of wipe that away yeah i think that was really quite interesting that yeah all right okay awesome thanks well, very much guys yeah guys thank you very much for your time and uh, ali especially for your knowledge um, it's been really, it's, you know, really insightful. And um, I'm hoping a lot of people hear this one and, and get something from it. So, again, thank you for making the time. I know you guys are running at what, just over 11 o'clock now down there in Sydney. That's that's a penalty for you living in Sydney, but we can't help that. That's so, all good. I learned a lot from you and from your okay. student, Harun. So it's all good. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. Thank, thanks for having me here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Thank nice you. Video. Thank Thanks you, guys. Bye. Bye. See you then. Then.